from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Well, here we are. It's time for Laugh Box, my favorite time of the week, and perhaps yours too. You know, in life, sometimes you meet some people that just help change your perspective in so many different ways. They just have so much joy. You wonder, where does all that come from? That's my guest this week. I get to talk to Shauna Bruce Hamburger about her book, Beyond Adversity Into Freedom. We talk about the book, but we talk about her journey, her journey with spina, uh, spina bifida, the lessons she's learned along the way, how to take some of those lessons into your own life to get past some of the crap that maybe you're dealing with, that for each one of us, it's a choice. Um, I just had so much fun talking to you, and I know you're going to get so much out of the conversation. So uh, shoot me an email. Let me know what you think when it's all over. Take care. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Laugh Box, the official podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, man, I'm just so stoked. I get to talk to somebody who I think is just beautiful from the inside out, just an enormously wonderful person. Um, I enjoy being around her. She completely like brightens up a room. I get to talk to Shauna Dawn Bruce hyphen hamburger. <laughs> welcome, my friend, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Chip, for having me. It's wonderful to be here with you. I'm really excited. So thank you for this opportunity. Yep. Sure thing. Um, you'll get the bill in the mail. Um, <laughs> so like, obviously, we've spent some time together, you know, having time to, you know, talk and stuff. But for the listeners, if you could give them a little bit of background on who Shauna Dawn Bruce Hamburger really is. I just, I'm not going to say your whole name the entire podcast. It's just such a mouthful. I'm just trying to like get it all down. <laughs> right, exactly. That hamburger, I, it's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it is. And I just tell people, I think the good Lord, my mom didn't decide to name me Patty because if my name was Patty Hamburger, that would really not. Well, I really do think that as far as sticky ideas go, that if you know you were going to change your name, you should change it to Patty Hamburger. <laughs> exactly. Nobody could forget that. Huh? Like, Who are you bringing as a speaker? We're bringing in the Patty Hamburger. See, that just sounds good. I like that. <laughs> or, you know. And just think about the corporate sponsorships you could get. <laughs> yes, that's what I tell people, that I think that we should get royalties from, you know, McDonald's and Burger King and all those places, because my husband always tells me that our name existed before the food did. So. Yeah, it would be like, you know, hey, our speaker today, you know, uh, Patty Hamburger, sponsored by <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> by the Hamburglar. So anyhow, I'm going off on a tangent. So let's uh, give us the 411 on you, Shauna. Uh, well, yes, as you said, my name is Shauna Bruce Hamburger, and um, I am a speaker and an author. I've been teaching stress management seminars for over 10 years, and I also um, have a keynote on overcoming adversity. And so I also have a book of the same title as my keynote, um, Beyond Adversity into Freedom. And the reason I wrote my book is because I was born with the most severe form of spina bifida. 
And so, um, but I, I live a life of true joy and true freedom. And so I wanted to share my message of how I've come to that place with other people because in my journey of life, I've met so many people who've gone through really challenging circumstances because life really can be challenging, but they've never known how to find a way out of those circumstances and they stay stuck in them. And so my whole purpose with writing my book and my keynote is um, has been to help people become unstuck from the circumstances of life that would keep them stuck. And I'm married and uh, to my husband of 10 years this year and he's in the military, so I'm a military wife. So that's me in a nutshell. And I live in Wyoming. <laughs> well, those last two things, you know, are pretty challenging in and of themselves. One, being married to a military person is pretty challenging. And two, live in Wyoming. Wow. You know, <laughs> well, you're like one of like 10 people that live there, right? <laughs> exactly. And I grew up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere, 40 miles from the nearest town. And so I really was like <laughs> one of 10 people that lived. Oh, yeah. So you're used to being alone. You know, you're just <laughs> you're used to being isolated. That's, uh, that's funny. Exactly. Exactly. If anybody came to our house on the weekends, we'd all hide because we didn't know what to do. With <laughs> a stranger from the outside. Exactly. That's right. Because I live out in the middle of nowhere now. So if somebody walks up my driveway. I'm like, who the heck is that? Right. You know I mean? It's like, I don't I, you know. I don't have any friends. So I'm just like, I don't, you know, it, my wife Gwen is always like, I can't believe you've lived here a decade or as long as I've lived here and I don't really know anybody. It's because I travel, you know, so right, you know, right. I don't really have time to like, you know, foster any local relationships because I'm on the road. So yeah. if somebody's pulling in my driveway, I know it's either for Gwen or it's the police. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to our conversation today, talking a little bit about uh, overcoming, you know, uh, beyond, you know, getting beyond adversity. Uh, I think your story is um, a, a really interesting story. Like, like you said, I think a lot of times people, they do get stuck. You have this major life event and they don't know how to get past that. And they sit there kind of in, in limbo, almost in like emotional purgatory. And so, you know, I'm really, you know, looking forward to you know, uh, our conversation. But before we get into that, I'm just going to ask a random question just to get our conversation going. So uh, let me think here for a minute. Um, all right. So. If they were making a movie of Shauna Dawn Bruce Hamburger's life, all right, and you got to pick the actress that was going to play you, who would you pick? Oh my goodness! Wow, that's hard. <laughs> um, wow, I have no idea. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, I just watched um, a show yesterday, Pickler and Ben, and there was a lady who had overcome, um, she has a book called Locked In. She's not an actress, but she is on TV. And um, she, her brain and her spine quit working and she was locked in her body for years and she came out of it and is walking and talking and everything. And so I can't remember her name, but probably her, somebody who's under, who understands what living with physical challenges is like. All right. All right. Or emotional challenges. So you might pick like millennia Trump. Who knows? <laughs> um, I, I try not to get in any politics. I just thought that was funny. That was not an endorsement or a non-endorsement of any political party, you know, by ATH. I was just having fun. So I just want to make sure I throw that out there. All right. So, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we'll, let's start with your book a little bit. Cause you know, when I was going through it, I thought, you know, some of the things were like really interesting. One, I just found it so inspiring. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, and, and in knowing you, I mean, I, I can, you know, feel your personality come out, you know, in the book because you just, you are such a joyful person, but something that, you know, I, in the, you know, first chapter on perspective just really stood out to me. Like when you went to kindergarten in a wheelchair because you had had, you know, surgery and you were surprised that other kids weren't in wheelchairs and, you know, that's your parents finally explained to you. It's like, Hey, um, it's because you got spina bifida and this is, <laughs> this is how things are going to be for you. And I was just like, at that, you know, at that point in your you know, life, I mean, five, I mean, you're, you're able to, you know, grasp some stuff, but that, you know, up until then, you know, you just been living your life. And I just think that's so interesting on you know, that perspective. Can you just like, we share a little bit about that? Yes. Yes. I love to. Cause I, I tell people, I feel like, you know, this is the most important thing that I could share with people because it was um, a lesson for my parents that literally transformed my life. And had they not taught it to me, I just can't even imagine where I would be. But, but yes, you're absolutely right. Before kindergarten, even though I'd had, you know, doctor's appointments that my brothers didn't have, and I had to wear special braces and casts that my brothers didn't have, I still never had the concept of being any different until I did have to start kindergarten in a wheelchair because I had just had surgery on both of my legs and feet. So I was wearing casts. So of course I couldn't walk on those casts. So I started kindergarten in a wheelchair. And I remember that first day of school going into this great big assembly with the entire school there. And I looked around and I thought, I am the only person in this entire school. And it was kindergarten through fifth grade Mm -hmm. that is in a wheelchair. And so I did, I came home and I asked my parents, I said, why am I the only child in an entire school in a wheelchair? So they did, they went on to explain to me what spina bifida was and how it was going to affect me for the rest of my life. And then I remember my dad, I just, you know, this, this moment is forever ingrained in my mind, but my dad looked at me and he said, Shauna, he said, you can either choose to be a victim of spina bifida for the rest of your life and let it control your life. Or you can choose to believe that you're here for a reason and your life has a purpose and you're going to live life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And so I remember at six years old going in and, you know, wheeling myself into my bedroom and getting myself on my bed and just laying down and having to talk with God and deciding that I was here for a reason and my life did have a purpose and I didn't want to be a victim of a disability. Mm-hmm. And so I decided from that moment on that, that I could choose how I was going to live with it. And I was going to make that choice every day to live life to the fullest. What a great um, testament to being a good parent right there. Um, Cause you know, a lot of times as a parent, like I got four kids, you know, it, when anytime my kids were hurt, I would naturally want it to be, I would rather be hurt than see them hurt. I would rather be in pain than see them in pain. And that, that, in of itself must have been difficult for your parents, but for them to, you know, help you see the other side. I mean, were they just naturally like, you know, positive people? I mean, did they go to a Dale Carnegie seminar before this? I mean, what, what, where did that come from? <clears throat> well, that's a good question because so many people are so um, amazed and touched when I tell them about all the things that my parents taught me because mm-hmm. it really did shape who I was. But but they were, they were both raised in, in good homes. They both um, were naturally positive people. But also my mom told me that um, when I was born, the doctor that delivered me gave her the best wisdom she'd ever received. And that was to not ever treat me any different than they did their other siblings, my, mm-hmm. or my siblings. And the doctor told him, he said, I've seen more parents disable their kids more by the way they treat them than a disability does. And so he told her, he said, if your other children have chores, 
she needs to have chores. Mm-hmm. If your other children are in extracurricular activities, she needs to be. He said, you need to treat her exactly the same as you do your other kids. And so they did. And she realized then, <clears throat> you know, th- their power to raise me to be independent and strong. And um, they realized it was really in their hands. And so my mom is, she's one of the strongest people I know. She's, um, she's just an amazing, amazing person. And, and my dad is as well. And they are both so wise. And so I'm just very, very grateful for the things that they taught me because had I not had the parents I had, I really don't know where I would be today. Right. I and mean, I see that even, you know, uh, where, and I think I like the way you, you, the doctor shared that with your mom that, you know, you disable your child more because you can disable your child, even if they're not disabled by, you know, not, um, not pushing them to their full potential. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. So. And that's what my mom, they did. They set the bar high for me. And uh, my mom has been a special education paraprofessional um, since I was in middle school and I'm mm-hmm. in my 40s. So that's a long time. And she does the same with the students that she works with. You know, she sees their, their ability and she sets the, the bar high for her kids. And she, that's what she loves about it is she gets to watch them reach those bars. And so that's, that's exciting. And that's what they got to see with me because actually when I was born, um, the doctor then, because I was born in the mid seventies, you know, back in the ice ages, <laughs> So the doctors didn't know then what they know now about spina bifida. <clears throat> and so the doctor who did my surgery to close up the hole in my spine when I was four days old, he told my parents that he actually didn't know if I was going to, de- going to live. And if I did live, he didn't know if I was ever going to walk. And mm-hmm. so here I am in my mid forties, I'm still fully walking on my own and I'm still fully alive the last time I checked. <laughs> Now, just out of curiosity, have there been, you know, say from the time you were born in the 70s to now, I mean, have there been advances in the treatment of children born with spina bifida? Like, is it, you know, one, has there been a decrease in, you know, births like that? Or, you know, and if there are born, are there things that they do different now that lessen the effects of spina bifida? Those are awesome questions. Yes. Well, actually, spina bifida is still um, the most common permanently disabling birth defect. Wow. Yes. It's so it's more common than any other birth defect. And what's ironic is when I was growing up, I didn't know. I only knew um, in high school one other person with spina bifida. But before then, I didn't know anybody. And now I'm hearing so many people um, tell me, you know, I have this person or this relative that was born with spina bifida. And I know so many more people who have family members with spina bifida. And I think it's because people, because of the medical advances, people are living with it more now than they mm-hmm. And so now they have um, a new method where they can, they can, well, they can do the test early on to find out if spina bifida is there because it actually occurs in the first trimester of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Really what it means is open spine. And so the spine just either doesn't close completely or doesn't form completely. Mm-hmm. And um, there's three different levels of it. And I was born with the most severe form. So with mm-hmm. me, the nerves in my back were protruding from a hole in my spine. Wow back was around those nerves. And so the nerves pretty much from my waist down were all damaged. So it affected um, the feeling in my legs, the ability of my legs to work right, and also my internal organs. But now they can go in and, and test for spina bifida. And if, if the child has it, they can actually, in, in a lot of cases, go in through the mother's womb and close up the spine, which is really amazing. That is amazing. Wow. 
yes. You didn't even know we were going to talk about this, I, but I'm, I was just curious because like you're the only, you're the first person I've met with spina bifida. So I hadn't met anybody else. And so I was just curious on where things are, you know, I'll, I'll probably meet a lot more people now because now I'm, I'm <laughs> people right. it's kind of like when you kind of like when you buy a car and you don't never notice that car on the road it before, but once you own that car, you notice that car more. Right. So, you know, right. perhaps I just haven't been aware, but now I'm more aware. So maybe I'll yes. see. That's a, a horrible analogy, but I'm- no, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it because anything I could do to bring awareness to people, because they actually even call it the flower disease. So it affects every single person differently. So there, you know, you might have known people that have it, but um, they might not have it, have it near as severe as me. And so, like mm-hmm. with me, you can tell by the way I walk. But actually, I had a friend who um, got my husband and I together, and hers um, affected her her internal organs more, and mm-hmm. she doesn't have any kind of challenge with walking. So, um, so you would never know it by looking at her on the outside that she has spina bifida. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Now let's oh, roll, let's oh. roll into. I'm not saying it's awesome as spina bifida. I'm just. Right. Saying, um, <laughs> I just, don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure I clarified that. All right. So there for my listeners, if they were just like, oh man, Chip's such an a-hole. What's he, what's he saying? No, just to make sure I was clarifying that. So let, let's roll into you know, that whole, what we started the conversation off and what you, you share with people on, you know, kind of getting unstuck because you know, obviously, you know, I look at, you know, all suffering as being relative. Like, you know, you know, one person goes one thing, it might be c- completely traumatic or I go through it. It might not be that bad for me or vice versa. That, and so, but regardless, everybody goes through different trauma and traumatic events in their life. And at that point, you just like, you know, getting uh, bouncing back is sometimes the hardest part. You can get through it, but on that rebound, that sometimes is the, the hardest part. So, you know, what are some of those facets that, you know, you share with people that help them get unstuck? Oh, that's a great question. Yes, that's so true. You know, because when I do my keynote and I share these things, um, people come up to me all the time and say, I wish you could have told this to this person or that person because they have had this happen and now they they think life is so unfair and they hate life and they're living life as a victim. And that's so heartbreaking to me because like with me for spina bifida, you know, it's not just a challenge I went through and came out of. It's something I live with every day. Mm-hmm. So for me, the most important thing was the wisdom that my parents taught me that I had a choice in how I could choose to live with spina bifida. And it's a choice I make every day, you know, to, to get up and live life to the fullest and to thank God for the opportunity to be in this world, to live this life. And I tell people that I do have bad days. There's days when my body, especially with my internal organs, I have a lot of problems with my kidneys and my bowels and my bladder. And so there's days when my body is just freaking out and you know, it's not fun to be living in this body. So, you know, I tell people that I don't live in denial. I do have bad days, but I don't, right bad days turn into bad weeks or bad months or bad years. Right. Um, well, it's good. Cause I was going to say is that, I mean, like for you bouncing back has got to be like a, like a daily thing yeah. where you've got to be able to have that, you know, certain things that you do every day to just kind of like, you know, make that rapid mental adjustment and that shift because it's not like you're going to wake up one day and not have that. Exactly. Exactly. It's something, you know, that I live with for life and, and they always told me that it wouldn't get worse. So spina bifida isn't something that gets worse. But as I get older, mm-hmm. 
gets worse because your muscles naturally weaken and, and that kind of thing. So, so yes, it has been, you know, a regular daily choice and, and gratitude has also been a really integral part of my life. My parents somehow, you know, you asked me earlier how they knew what to teach me and I have no idea. I think they're just amazing, but somehow they knew that when I was young, helping me focus on what I did have and on what I could do would get me a lot farther than allowing me to focus on what I couldn't do. And so when I was growing up, I didn't ever have pity parties. You know, I wasn't, they would let me feel my emotions, obviously. And I, you know, I, I, um, cause, because I would have bad days. And so my mom was always there to support me when I'd cry and have a bad day, but they didn't let me stay there. And they'd always try to help keep me focused on what I did have and on what I could do. Mm -hmm. and so because of that, I went on to be cheerleader two years in a row and I was on the student council and in 4-H and the speech team and <clears throat> volleyball manager, basketball manager. So, you know, they let me, um, they really kept me focused on what abilities I did have and on what I could offer this world. And so gratitude was also a really, really important part of my life. Growing and, that's up. A, and that's a really great mindset because I, I know that sometimes when days are really gray, gratitude can be really elusive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe surrounding yourself with, your, with people that help you see that or planning in advance for those days and thinking about, all right, you know, on those days, these are the things that I'm going to pull out of my pocket and think about. Um, I'm a, I like uh, sometimes on those days just kind of like going through the 3,000 pictures on my phone and, you know, uh, re you know, walking down memory lane about, oh, you know, when my kids were small and, you know, and it, those are some of the things that bring a smile to my face. It's like, ah, it just gives me a little bit better sense of what I can be thankful for rather than, you know, what I'm looking at right there in that present moment. Yes. Yes. I think that's so important. And, you know, there's been so many studies done now on the power of gratitude and how much it helps us, not just mentally, but physically and emotionally. And so I'm really thankful that that's, um, you know, a concept that was taught to me early on because it really did help me get through those hard days, realizing that, like, I thank God every day that I do walk because most people with the most severe form of spina bifida don't walk. Mm -hmm. and so I'm just grateful every day, even if, you know, I have to walk with a brace or a limp or whatever, that I'm able to get out of bed and walk every day. And, um, but I spoke at the National Spina Bifida Conference about 10 years ago, and I was sharing that and it broke my heart. A, um, a young lady raised her hand who was in a wheelchair and she said, well, what about us in a wheelchair? What do we have to be grateful for? And so we talked about the many things that they still have to be grateful for, you know, that their minds are sharp and their heart is big and their smiles are bright and they can mm -hmm. see and smell and, and feel and taste this world. And, you know, and so it really is a perspective shift to go from, um, you know, what I don't have to being thankful for what I do have. Right. Right. Very good. I like, I like that whole gratitude piece. Cause like I said, sometimes it can be a little elusive, you just have to plan in advance and maybe surround yourself with those people that are going to like smack you upside the head and say, Hey, yes. you got lots to be thankful for. Not that you yes. did that at that conference. That would have been kind of harsh. They probably never would have you back. If you're like, smack, <laughs> somebody, smack somebody in a wheelchair upside the head and say like, Hey, <laughs> get, over be, <laughs> get over it. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's what I always tell people now. I press a, you know, preface, I guess, or preface, um, what I teach with that I don't live in denial, that these are things that I daily choose because I actually had someone tell me at a conference when I was speaking once that I was a Pollyanna and I lived life with rose colored glasses. And 
um, you know, I, I really, I don't want people to walk away from what I'm teaching them and, and just think that, that I just live in happy land all the time. I don't you think, know? I don't, I think that that is, I mean, whoever said that actually should be smacked inside the head. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, knowing you and like the things that you have, have had to go through and the stuff that you deal with every day, to think yeah. that, you know, you're a Pollyanna and you <laughs> look through your life with rose colored glasses, like, he's like, what? That's like the dumbest thing anybody could ever say, in my opinion, in my opinion. Yes, um, I was so, shocked for sure. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, um, now, in your book, uh, you, a really strong spiritual component in your book, um, uh, and you know, and knowing and, and talking to you, I know that that's like a cornerstone uh, for you in your life. I mean, so in bouncing back for people getting unstuck, I mean, how do you how do you explain that to people? Oh, yes. That's, I was just telling a lady yesterday, I, I can't imagine where I would be today either without my faith, because that really is, you know, the foundation for my life and, and my choices. And um, I've always loved the scripture. There's a scripture, I can't remember the reference right now, but the, the joy of your, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I really think that's what's given me the, the strength to get through every day in living with spina bifida. And um, actually, when the doctors told my parents that they didn't know if I was going to live or ever walk, my uh, parents went down to the chapel at the hospital that I was in, and they gave my life to God. And I really absolutely feel like that that is why I'm still here today and why I am still mm -hmm. walking. And I actually um, 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 experienced a miracle in my life. I uh, shortly after I was born and had my spine sewed up. I started to develop water on the brain, which is also very common with spina bifida. And so the doctors told my parents, they said, take her home, bring her back in two weeks. And they fully expected me to need a shunt in my head to drain that, that fluid that was building up on my brain and mm -hmm. it into the stomach. And um, they told my parents, they said, we just have to warn you, if she needs a shunt in her head, they are pure hell because they get infected and they need changed. And especially back in the seventies, you know, it was a lot worse. Mm -hmm. and so my mom at that time, it, this is just still amazing to me, but um, she came home and every day for those two weeks, she said she laid her hand on my bulging soft spot and prayed. And when they brought me back to the doctors, the doctors were shocked because they absolutely expected me to have full blown hydrocephalus and need a shunt. And when I was in college, um, uh, the uh, neurosurgeon told my parents that I was in the 5% of people born with spina bifida that didn't need a shunt in my head. So when my parents brought me back to the doctors in two weeks, the, the water was gone. I did not need a shunt in my head to drain that. And so to be in the 5% of people born with spina bifida that doesn't have a shunt, that's just amazing to me. And I, I just think that's all due to my mom's prayers and the faith of the good Lord. Mm -hmm. So when you share that with uh, people, cause I mean, there are people of all different faiths um, that I'm sure they're in your audiences. Do you like tell them, you know, to practice what works for them? I mean, how do you, how do you approach that with them so yeah. that you know, they're looking at it? So you're not, um, cause I'm, I'm a Christian too, but you know, I don't try to press that on anybody else. So, so how do you, because I would think there'd be something kind of, I don't say difficult to get across to people without offending them. I don't know. How do you do that? Yes. Yes, it has. It's been, you know, it, at times um, when I share and when I speak, I get a feel for the audience. And at times I've actually left that part of my story out. 
And, um, but then I think, well, it's in my book. So then, you know, if they, they read my book, then, then it's in there. And at other times, the way I've addressed it, I tell people, you know, this is what's, this is what's been real for me. This is what's worked for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've actually had people in my audience, right. In the evaluation forms that they're really thankful that I could share my faith without shouting it from the rooftops. And so that's always been my heart is that, you know, I want to be authentic and real, but never, ever you know, make people feel like they have to believe any certain way or in the way that I do, um, because, you know, I, I do believe we've all had the freedom to choose. And we'll be right back with that interview with Shauna, but now it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts, where I share facts about humor, laughter, sometimes absurd, and this week's fact is about happiness, and it comes from the book, The How of Happiness. And here's the fact. So beauty is not associated with happiness. Becoming objectively more beautiful will not make most of you happier. Coming to believe that you are more beautiful is another story. And research suggests that this may be one of many happiness boosters. Great stuff right there, because I know sometimes I'm not feeling all that beautiful. So if you got a fun fact you want to share, email me at chip at unconventional leader. I would love to share it on the show. So let's get back to Shauna. Yeah, because spirituality means different things to different people. I, but I think that it's it's an element that faith that you said is certainly uh, is the producer of hope, and you know, hope is that thing that helps us get to the next day. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and I know it's been instrumental in my life. But you know, we're all we are all walking our own journeys for sure in this life, and and you know, I absolutely feel like that everybody has the freedom to do that. So, so that's how I shared is that, you know, it's what's changed my life, but it doesn't have to be that way for everybody. So now in knowing you and how we got connected through the world of humor and laughter, um, I know that has got to be a big piece to, uh, for you on, you know, bouncing back. I mean, just, I, cause I just love to hear you laugh. It just like, it's, it's, it's such a genuine, it's such a genuine, uh, thing that brings me joy to hear you laugh. So, you know, how, how does that played in for you? Yes. And it has, it has been such a, a fundamental part of my life. I cannot imagine, um, how I would have gotten through life without laughter. In fact, my mom tells people I came out telling the doctor a joke and it just, um, laughter has absolutely been one of the the anchors that has helped me overcome challenges. I think I was telling you, Chip, that I just went through some challenges in the last couple months with um, with my digestive system. <laughs> and so when I called the doctor, I told her, I said, hello, I need some help with my bipolar colon, please. And she immediately started laughing. And so it, it has absolutely helped to... Um, to just soften the challenges, you know, when, when I go through, when you can look at them from a funny, funny perspective and, and laugh about them, especially with other people. Um, you know, I'm not laughing at myself or at my circumstances, but just laughing through them. It really has strengthened me to be able to, um, to not see them as so traumatic and dramatic. And because I've had, you know, so many doctor's appointments and so many things that, and tests that I've gone through and, I just can't imagine if I wasn't able to laugh during those times, you know, where I would be. So yes, absolutely. Laughter is just a fundamental part of my life. That's actually why I married my husband. He's a man of very few words, but he does make me laugh every day. And 
I just adore that about him. So laughter. That, that's great. Um, <laughs> now, are your parents funny? Because, I mean, when I'm thinking about like a rancher, I'm not thinking about somebody that's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> yes, yes. They both, both of my parents do have a great sense of humor. They both love to laugh. They're both <laughs> very happy, outgoing people. Um, you know, they're not introverts or they're just um, very happy, outgoing people. And so they did. We had we had a lot of laughs in my family and um, my older brother, he's a, a shyer person, but, but when he gets around me and my husband, he laughs hysterically. And so I just love being able to, you know, help my family laugh. So yeah, I did grow up in a home where, where, and actually I did a speech in high school way back when I was a junior in high school on the healing power of laughter. And um, before then, you know, I knew how, how important laughter was in my life, but I didn't realize um, the health benefits and how mm -hmm. vital laughter could be to our lives and why. And so it was in doing the research for that 10 minute oratory speech that I really realized the power of laughter and what it could do for us. And um, so that inspired me even more to, to continue to keep laughter in my life. That is cool. That is cool. And I like how you put that, that you're not laughing, laughing at yourself or you're not, and you're not laughing at the situation, but you're laughing through them. I think that's really kind of a, a neat perspective because sometimes, you know, you might not be able to laugh at whatever it is or at yourself, but maybe you can find something else to help you, you know, just laugh through it. Yeah. Um, maybe having that friend that uh, you, you go to that makes you laugh like your husband. Right, right. Exactly. Yes, I think so. And I think for me, thankfully, it's just been a um, a natural buffer, you know, from the challenges and the stresses of, of going through even like when I so when I was going through those digestive issues and I had to go to the doctor obviously and get a physical exam which by a man which you know was not fun at all and um, I told the receptionist I said let the fun begin and she just immediately started laughing and I thought no this really is kind of comical so it just um it yeah it's amazing how it just really helps to just get through the challenges of life in such a in such a lighter and better way and and you know I obviously, I, I cry too, you know, I don't laugh through everything all the time. Things are, you know, sometimes hard, but, but, um, I laugh much more than I cry. <laughs> That's good. Me too. Yes. Uh, but mainly I cry like during, I have like a soft spot in movies where like there's any like interaction between like a father and child where it's like really tender. I'm just like, uh, I start getting a little teary and then, uh, I'll just like, uh, pretend like I've got something in my eye because I don't want to see that. <laughs> Oh, I think, I bet your wife loves it that you actually cry and show emotion because I think most women really value that in a man. Well, my daughter will call me out on it. She'll look over me. She's like, are you crying, dad? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not crying. She goes, I know where your soft spot is. And I'm like, no, and I'm not. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I didn't see my dad cry very much when I was growing up, but he did cry when he had to put animals down, you know, when he had to put dogs and horses down from living on a ranch. That was, yeah. that was challenging for him. So oh, that doesn't bother me at all, but um, <laughs> I'm just saying I have no emotional attachment to any animals. So I just, uh, my wife does. And so I will be empathetic and I try to, uh, I, I, I try to, I feign some emotion, but really I don't uh, feel it. <laughs> that's, really, that's really cold, I know, but whatever. 
I've shared, I've shared a whole lot, way too much on this podcast today. My soft spots, my uh, fact that I don't care about animals. Yeah, just way too much. So, well, I've actually, I grew up on a ranch and I'm terrified of most animals. So that's, I would be too. (laughs) You know. I'm terrified of cats. Absolutely terrified of them. I always tell people if anybody ever wants to torture me, just put me in a in a room full of cats. <laughs> cats are inherently evil. They're, yes, they're, they, they are. They steal your soul, and yes. yeah, they don't they don't care about you at all. People think that they care about you, but they don't. Right. You're just you're just there to serve them. So, yes, absolutely. Whereas like dogs, they just like you know that's like un- dog dog loves unconditional love. So yeah. they just like, we should all love each other. Like dogs love us. Like, Hey, <laughs> let's do this. Let's have fun. This is the best thing ever. And then they, you know, they go to eat. Oh, this is the best thing ever. You know, you can just hear it in their head. This is it. Rub my belly. It's the best thing ever. Yes. So they're just happy. Go lucky. <laughs> well, I have really enjoyed talking to you. Um, but I want to ask you like your best advice. If somebody's going through a trial or tribulation, you know, something where, you know, they're kind of stuck. I mean, you know, one piece of advice, what's your best piece of advice for that person? Um, I would definitely say it's, um, it's, it's recognizing that you have the ability to choose your response and your attitude in the circumstance, because so many times, um, you know, we let circumstances steal our power and take our power away. We give our power over to that circumstance. And I know for me, I'm living proof that no matter what circumstance you go through in this life, it doesn't have to control your life or control your attitude or control your, your quality of life. Spina bifida in no way has um, controlled my quality of life. And knowing that I get to choose that every day, how I respond and my attitude has been the most empowering wisdom that I've been given. So I would absolutely share that with your audience that, that remembering that, you know, remembering when we're going through hard things that we still have the power to choose how we respond and the power to choose our attitude is just so freeing and empowering, I think. Beautiful. That is great advice. Now, if people want to find you after today, they want to find Shauna Don Bruce hyphen hamburger. <laughs> where do they go? Where do they connect with you? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, my website is um, divinepotential.com and divine is D-I-V-I-N-E. And there um, you can read more about what I do, um, my speaking, and my book is also there. I don't have my book on Amazon, so my book is just at my website. And my book is called Beyond Adversity Into Freedom. And um, it's a short read. And I also have a CD in the back of my late brother, Shad, who passed away in 2008 and wanted to be a motivational speaker. So I took his best audios and put them in a CD in the back of my book. So you'll not only get to hear, read my story, but you'll also get to hear my late brother's wisdom in my book. That is awesome. Yeah, I've read your book. Yeah, very inspiring. Awesome, awesome stuff in there. Um, And that's my next step is to listen listen to your brother. So that's awesome. Thank you. That's cool. What a great testament that, you know, you've helped his legacies, you know, uh, help other people. I I think that's awesome. You know, that's, that's a great thing right there. Oh, thank you. I knew when, um, because he started an audio series in 2008 called Make Your Life Great in 2008. And um, because he was valedictorian and was graduating class and he always knew he wanted to be a motivational speaker. 
And when he started that audio series, he had already been through a motorcycle accident and a divorce all within six months of in six months time. And um, he knew he was still here for a reason. And so he started that audio series in January of 2008. But unfortunately, he passed away in July of 2008 and never got to finish it. And so when I wrote my book, I knew his audios, you know, really needed to be a part of that book. So it's an honor to me to be able to keep his legacy alive and share his wisdom because he had so much to share with the world. That's awesome. Now, I promised you something fun at the end of the podcast to wrap it up. So I'm just going to ask you a few random questions for my Overstuff Would You Rather book. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you game? Sure. All um, right. Shauna Dawn Bruce Hamburger. Would you rather have really yellow teeth or really yellow eyes? Oh, goodness. Um, probably really yellow eyes because I wear glasses. And um, so people couldn't probably see if I had really yellow eyes. But the way I smile, I smile really big and people would notice <laughs> really yellow right. teeth. Right. You look like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, you want to make sure. <laughs> Go with the, yeah, I would go with the eyes too because you can always wear sunglasses. Good deal. Right. <laughs> Second question. I'm going to ask you three. Second question. Would you rather get a paper cut on your tongue or have a booger in your nose all day that you can't quite reach? <laughs> oh my goodness. These questions, whoever came up with them, they have quite the sense of humor. <laughs> I would definitely have a booger I couldn't reach because... <laughs> Having a paper cut on the tongue, I've actually had those from when you lick envelopes and they are, oh, they hurt. So I would much rather have a booger. <laughs> right. That's just slightly irritating. The other one, as soon as you eat something salty, it's going to like burn. Yeah, that would, I hate that. I would absolutely hate that. All right. Let me see. I'm just uh, opening up the book here, see where it lands. Last one. Would you rather, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Would you rather suck pea soup from an old man's beard? Or eat the drool of a baby while she's still eating strained peas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't. Yeah, I can't imagine coming up with these questions. <laughs> oh, dear. I would never want to suck anything from a man's beard. <laughs> All right. So you're going with the baby. I am going with the baby. Yes. Right. I heard an article the other day on how unsanitary, um, a story on how unsanitary men, men's beards are. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not going there at all. Who, who writes an article like that? That is like, that is so funny. I was like, you know, somebody sitting around one day is like, you know what? I'm just going to write an article about how unsanitary be people's beards are. You know what I mean, where, where does that come from? That is like the craziest thing ever. <laughs> I absolutely agree. The things people think up sometimes to, you know, to fill up their life. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, oh, I think I'm going to write about, you know, the temperature of my soup today. You know what I mean? I mean, what, whatever. That's hilarious. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really had uh, so much fun and I really got a lot from our conversation. Oh, thank you, Chip. I'm so honored and blessed to be on this podcast. I've listened to it for over a year and I love it. And so thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share with your audience today. I really do appreciate it. No, oh, like I just said, the, the bill's in the mail. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> So, what did you think? Shauna Dawn Bruce Hamburger. Pretty freaky awesome, huh? 
great story, super inspirational. I got so much from our conversation. Things that I actually can take back to my own life to help me get unstuck to help me live a little more joyful life. I'm going to encourage you to go to her website, check her out, buy her book. It is a great book. You know, she said it's a short read, but packed full of awesome stuff. I also encourage you to go to our website, aeth.org. Look at us. We're pretty awesome. We got cool people like Shauna in our posse. You got something you'd like to hear on the show, something you'd like to share, email me direct at chip at unconventionalleader.com. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, this is Chip saying we'll keep the laugh on for you. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at aath.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.